Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the latest episode of Soccer in the City. Tom Kolker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Bromwich, John Rojas talking New York City FC and Major League Soccer. Guys, a lot to get to in this jam-packed episode. New York City picks up a big 3-2 win on the road at Miami. We're going to start there. We're going to take a look at the FIFA window. Some interesting choices made by some teams around the leagues, including New York City and Alex Collins, so we'll get into that a little bit. And then talk about the standings in the East and the West. Uh, Orlando continues to play really well. We'll take a look at the full Eastern Conference standings and talk about where New York City is at. But guys, we begin with the Wild Affair down in Fort Lauderdale. A 3-2 win for New York City FC. Probably the most incredible first half in terms of entertainment we've seen this year. All five goals in the first half. Matriza, two goals. Tinnerholm gets a goal. Uh, so I think, guys, when you go back to this one, there's a lot of positives, obviously, with the scoring, but uh, some questions and some concerns that we'll get into in the latter half of the discussion talking about this match. But let's start with the positives. And, Glenn, we continue with, with the offensive story of New York City FC. It really feels like Alexandria Matriza has found a nice spot in that number 10 role for New York City. He got the goal early, got things started. Anton Tinnerholm, uh, another great performance. He's become an out-and-right goal scorer from that right-hand side for New York City FC. Uh, wild first half, uh, New York City, all three goals. What did you make of the offensive attack in this match against Miami? Well, you mentioned Matriza, and he's uh, back home in Romania right now. So uh, that's the that's the story about him. But he, he became Opta. I saw the Opta tweet. He's the first... He's only the second New York City player to score multiple goals in consecutive games. The other's David Villa, of course. Uh, and it looked like Ronnie Dyla had uh, come up with and solved the uh, no Maxi Morales at the number 10, different kind of player, but uh, one who just uh, got himself close to the goal and, you know, played well enough. You know, he scored, uh, what, 30 seconds in two games ago, club record. Then it was three minutes and 15 seconds into the first half against Inter Miami. So those are the things. And when you score the first goal, like uh, Miami is now 0 and 8 when they concede the first goal. I mean, you know, and, you know, I think if you look around the league, if you concede the first goal, you know, generally um, you, you don't have a real positive record. Uh, so New York City, for instance, is 0 and 6 if they concede the first goal. So to get that, he did it twice early. Uh, he's explosive and he's kind of found the groove and now they're uh, going to be without him for, well, uh, at, at least until November the 1st, which is the, uh, the Derby with the 14 day quarantine for New York city. I have that right now. 14 days, right? Yes. Then it's, uh, and they have a game on the 14th Romania. So if he got on a plane the next day, 
he'd be able to start training on October the 30th, ostensibly, which would make him available for November the 1st with the, uh, the Hudson River Derby, which will now be played at Yankee Stadium. But then there's other – I'll let somebody take it from here. There's this uh, – there's other Matriza news, perhaps? I mean, uh, who's going to take it from here? I'll let John take it because he's been more – he's been on, on uh, Twitter a lot more than I have uh, today. So, That's impossible. Uh, John has been see- That's it, it, impossible. No I, one is I, on Twitter more than you, Roberto. Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. But today, it's, that, that is actually no, the one, case. And so, John, go ahead. One thing is – time invested in the other one is efficiency so so, well by the way i do both very well thank you very much but john let's just let's just address this internet rumor because right now it's just a rumor we we don't know you know it's a rumor and we're trying we we, uh, roberto did his due diligence tried to get some reaction from the club and um you know the the response from the club is what you would normally get from any club they don't respond to uh, basically they don't respond to internet rumors about transfers but go ahead john yeah that's that's a basically a, a, a norm around mls i mean no club is gonna respond to you to any kind of rumors i mean yeah. they, it can be as solid as you want and they don't gonna tell you anything at least not you know on the record i mean the whole situation is that it is it, it's a little you know, it's tricky uh, to say the least. I mean, because the reason that he is supposedly on international duty is because he will attend a family matter. And then if you have a family matter, why are you going with the national team for almost 10 days? So is the matter before the national team duty? Is after the national team duty? So we're not going to get him right after the national team can finish because he has a family matter to attend. And then comes this. Um, rumor during the day uh, coming from um, it's, it's a Twitter handle that I cannot assure you that is you know real reliable. yeah, reliable because I don't know the guy I don't know the person I don't even know if the person exists but uh, his, his profile claims that is a member of the Saudi Arabian uh, Reporters Association and is apparently uh, in some capacity linked with the club, which is Al Ilal in Saudi Arabia. And he has, uh, you know, a whole uh, thread of tweets saying that Mitritza has agreed to go to play for the club. He actually has a video, like a welcome video with highlights of Mitritza and, and a and even the, um, the MLS team of the week in which Mitritza is, the, you know, the number 10 this <laughs> it's, week. It's crazy. It, so we have to determine, that some, is he just a big Mitritza fan or is he actually representing the club? But that video, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I just saw it. We're recording this on, uh, on Monday night. But he put out six consecutive tweets. Uh, and the guy's got a million followers. Now, that doesn't necessarily make him legit, but, yeah, no, so, I mean, it has actually a, the blue mark, but I cannot tell you if that blue mark is, you know, legit or not. I mean, yeah. Right. All right, well, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, but let's get back to the match. Roberto, what did you make of New York City's offensive attack, especially in that first half where they, they put up a three spot? Well, for New York City, they had 10 goals in their first 12 games, and all of a sudden they come up with seven in their next two. 
So uh, it, it's been a strange road for New York City that way. I'm sorry, the first 11 and then uh, the next two. So it, it's been strange, but uh, this team seems very, very re-energized with the new formation, the new lineup. Uh, obviously, Matriz is having himself quite a pair of games in a row with uh, four goals in two games. Alex Ring has been sensational. He had three assists. Uh, what can you say about Anton Tinnerholm, who um, has been flying up and down the right wing? And uh, to, to, for my money, he's still uh, the best player on New York City so far this season. So it, it's been just so strange to see all of a sudden all this production when it's been so so hard but then again you can look at it from a different perspective of a team that was coming close even though they weren't scoring and now all of a sudden they've been able to find uh the back of the net hey can can i ask i want to ask you guys so i uh, certainly i don't want to take away assists from alex ring especially if he's got some sort of uh, you know bonus clause in his contract for uh for points but how does he get an assist on that second Matriza goal? Matriza dribbled like 80 yards up the field and, score, and then angled to the right and took the shot and deflected off Ben Sweat. And, uh, and Ring got an assist on that goal. Remarkable. How, how does that – How is that? Last guy to give him the ball. I last, guy, last guy to touch the ball for New but if you City, dribble the length of the field, at, at some point I, I, I thought the, those assists were – What's interesting about that, Alex Ring gets an assist there. He played a little square ball to get Matriza out. Excellent. But when a guy shoots the ball, like just hits a, what looks like a really good shot, and it goes off the post, and it rebounds to a player, and he finishes, the player who shot the ball doesn't get an assist. No, and that I, wasn't his intention. What? That wasn't his intention to give the ball to his teammate. It was a rebound. But that's... I, that's why I like the hockey rule a lot better. No, and I, I like the hockey rule better. I'm sorry, I don't know. I know you don't like hockey. That's fine. It is played uh, on ice. I like but, hockey. Uh, I just like hockey on hockey the, time. No, but I mean, but it's it's comparable. And the compare and what they do in hockey is last two guys to touch the puck before the guy who scores, no matter how it happens, gets an assist. And no, that's what wrong. It works. No, don't want that, please. These double assists are t- no. Let's but just some- put it. Let's just put it this way. Alex Green had three assists on the game, so whatever one of them came out about, I don't think it's the matter. I mean, he played a wonderful game, had three assists, and, and yeah, we, yeah, we, no, we already, I, I, we, already I, we already have we already have a big discussion on handballs. Let's not make this another big topic now. No, I, I I had to bring it up because I brought it up on the broadcast. I was like. I've never, I've never right. seen anybody get an assist on a guy that runs 80 yards and scores. And I got your point, and it's totally true. Listen, remember. Remember what, um, Maradona's goal in Mexico 86, the same game of the, the hand of God, right? Yeah. Remember, yeah. So he he the has player, the ball in the middle, right? Yeah, yeah no. He, there was an assist on that play? Well, yeah. All his life, El Negro, he was the guy who passed the ball, he was saying, that was the best assist of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I was there. I saw it. With the hand? I, well, I saw that one, too, by the way. I, I, I literally, I was, I was with my friend Steve Goldberg, and we were, we were both covering the match. And uh, all of a sudden, we're like, he's not really going to allow that, is he? That's not really going to be a goal, is he? Because we saw clear as day that it was a handball. And, map, they let it go. 
I mean, even Maradona, when he, he looks around, he like turns at the referee, like looking at him going, did he really see it? Did he not see it? And then he starts celebrating. It was pretty funny. But you that other that? goal was fantastic. You hey, you, 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 we you, jump out from assist to the handball anyway. <laughs> Roberto, did you, you got know an assist from God, according to him? Did you know that your friend Steve Goldberg and I went to the University of Georgia together? Yes, I do. <laughs> which is a pretty amazing synchronicity. It, and then, it is. And then he, uh, he, uh, he lined me up recently with an interview with uh, Coach Jake, uh, Martin Jacobson, who yeah, coached here Martin, at, uh, Luther Martin Luther King. King. Martin Luther King and has had an exceptional uh, you know, record. But more importantly is, is what he's doing for kids who are refugees and immigrants. And it, it's a great story. He's got a book. It's called Coach Jake. And mm -hmm. so especially if you're, in the, if you're in the New York City area, man, it's a, it's a great read. It really is. And he's a really, really nice guy. I mean, I, I've known him for years. And uh, the, the stuff that he does aside from coaching uh, the powerhouse in New York as far as uh, high schools are concerned is uh, – it's amazing. Well, are, are you a little bit sad that when we went to Atlanta for, um, for the yes. first game that yes. Steve came to see me and not you? Oh, no. I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> Tom. That's, that's All right. Let's go. Let's Re reclaim your duties. Yeah. If you guys want to talk about people you know from college, that's a different podcast. Let's go no, back this to is that. A, no, this is a guy who coaches in the city, and it's an unbelievable story All because right. he, was, uh, he was a drug addict. He, he was in the – he almost – he wanted to – he had a lot of issues, man, and he recovered and became this really important person in the fabric of the city. So I, I disagree. It's a very worthy topic, but I'm done with it. Thank you. No, no, All he right. was talking about Steve Goldberg and not yeah. Marty Jacobson. But that's yeah, I was talking about Goldberg. Yeah, not Jacobson. Anyway, back to the match. All right, so there was a lot of positives offensively. Let's talk about some concerns because the big question going to the match was, well, how was how – was, Ronnie going to put out this lineup knowing that he didn't have Collins. Was it going to be Sands at the back or was it going to be Abiaga? And we found out, as we heard during Glenn's pregame interview with, with the coach, that he didn't want to break up the pairing of, of uh, Parks and Sands. So those were going to be your holding midfielders. So you slide in Sebastian Abiaga, who we all agree is a professional soccer player. Look, the last two years coming into this season, he's made over 20 appearances each year for New York City. So he's a big, physical, strong guy. He slides in there next to Chanel. Um, but New York City, especially in that first half, really struggled at times defensively. Now, look, the two goals by Lewis Morgan were, were absolute great finishes. I mean, they're just first-time shots that nobody was stopping. Sean Johnson or whoever else was in goal, they were clinical finishes. But one thing that we talked about on our broadcast, not only the fact that he had space on both those shots to finish, but the number of turnovers by New York City in that first half trying to pass out of the back where they just gave Miami opportunities was something that we haven't seen or at least I haven't seen in any of the matches that you know I've taken part in this year and that was very concerning and I don't know if that was just um, not having the assurance of Collins at the back with Chanel if it was that center back pairing that was a little off in this match or if it was something else but John what did you make of that uh, tactically and did you see the same thing or was I seeing something else? Yeah, no, no, no. It was it, it was hard for them. They struggled a lot with that side. But I think it has to be with two elements. One, the left side, if you pair or you create a triangle, uh, because that's what you do to either play out of the back or and to defend and, and, and close the spaces, you create that triangle with Sanz, Iveaga, and Matarita. Uh, it's hard because Sanz is going to come in between the two. If you build in, He's going to come in between the two centre-backs. Ibeaga is not really good with the ball on his feet. And Chanel neither. So the best 
center back with the ball on his feet is not there, which is Callens. Matarita, you know that he's going to go way high on the field. So then when you're defending, Sanz has to cover a lot of ground because Ibiaga is not fast neither. I mean, he's strong. He's one, you know, probably on the 1v1 in the air, but he's not fast. So those are issues that you have into consideration and, and, and you don't risk that much when you build them because your bag is going to be exposed. That's, that's one thing uh, on, on, on that side. I mean, you need better feed if you want to build from the bag and, and that is, is Callens. And then, of course, Ibiaga helps. He is strong. He, but when you have a pair like Ibiaga, like Chanot and, and Callens, you can, you know, having them together for a long time it's hard. It's hard for the guy who's let in to try to get in the same rhythm and the same uh, communication. Even if they don't have the same language, you start talking with your eyes, with your hands, with your movement. And it doesn't happen, you know, quick. If You can train with the guy, but it's not exactly the same thing. Yeah, wonder- you're talking about chemistry on the field. But, I mean, when you look at uh, Ibeaga's stats, I mean, they're pretty good. He he passed the ball 36 times and completed 94% of his passes. Yeah, so but that's not, not the like idea. A, but I mean, but pass- that's not like how many passes was to the goalie? How many passes were to, uh, to Matarita right in the same line? No breaking lines, you know? How many, that, but I'm not saying I'm not even saying he committed bad passes, Roberto. No, but as a team, there were a lot of, build lot of well, yeah, there were a lot of turnovers that created chances for Miami. Oh well, in general, I mean, they, they normally have the ball a lot more than the opposition, and this wasn't the case in uh, in this game. It's a, I mean, I don't love talking about possession because I mean it because possession a lot of times depends on strategy. But uh, this is a team that was basically on their heels defending for most of the game, especially in the second half and in the latter half of the second half, especially. So uh, this wasn't a very good game for New York City holding the ball and making key passes and getting out of the back. They they couldn't reason. do it. They were pressured. And uh, Miami did a very good job of that. I mean, look, they got the tying goal, as it turns out. Thank, uh, you know, thank goodness for VAR as far as New York City is concerned because the, game, the goal was offside. It was clear, not by a lot, but clearly it was offside. It was close. Yeah, it was close, but it was clearly offside. It wasn't like, wow, I don't know if this is offside or not. This was clearly offside, not by a lot, though. I thought, it was, why, but, I thought it was a handball. <laughs> 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 well, Glenn, what did you make of the, the struggles in the first half? Well, yeah, I know. I think this is uh, the, the discussion on this. I think there's uh, there are multiple uh, reasons for uh, the difficulty. And I don't think we can ever discount, because uh, I was a little surprised that they lost their legs so quickly, but it, they were chasing the game a lot. You're right, right, Roberto. They didn't have the ball, so now they're chasing the game. And that is so difficult to do. And I, I'm just I'm remembering Ronnie Dyla's comments after the match when he said he looked into the eyes of Keaton Parks and James Sands and they were gray. That's the way he described it. He said he's never seen them both so tired at the same time. And he said they weren't responding to what he was saying. And those those two boys were were, were struggling. But, you know, they struggled from about – Boy, the 15-minute mark of the game on, you know? Well, it was very hot and humid. I mean, they had the water breaks and the humid. And then they had that thunderstorm. That wasn't a thunderstorm, but they had a storm at the end. Monsoon. That was Uh, was crazy, that monsoon at the end. And the funny part about it is that there was no electrical storm that that normally accompanies it. It was just all rain. The the other factor, and and, and that's the way I kind of started it, and then I wavered. 
but uh, a three-hour-plus flight down, uh, eat lunch, check into the hotel, do whatever you do there, have a team meeting, go to the field, hop on a plane, go home. I just think that's um, – look, it is, it is what is, needs to happen these days. There's little question about it. And then going to a climate that's, you know, it, it's different. So they I, the first five minutes of the game, they were brilliant. I but mean, they were does, really good. They looked really good leading up to that goal and then a little bit after. But, but they actually, they started losing their legs. I thought, like, you know, maybe midway through the first half. But that's the good and the bad, Glenn, of, of the game itself. I mean, you need, you need, that's why you need to read the game, and that's why numbers and statistics, if you don't, you know, see them side by side by what the field is telling you, they were nothing. Because they score first on the road against yeah. a team that is eager to win right. because they don't have really bad, uh, you know, run of games. And, and, and a guy, their number nine, that is eager to score his first goal. And it is the big presence and the big name on the team. So everybody's looking for him. So whatever it is, whatever it takes to get him the ball and to get him an opposition, we have to do it. And, of course, you score first. Three minutes after, you're against the wall because they're coming all at you all over the place. Yeah. So you got to run. You're not going to have the ball, and you're going to climb it, and you flow, flow, flew for you know, the same day of the, of, the, of the match. It all together, but it goes with the game. Is that, a, is that Iguin behind you on your screen, the number nine there, and that's the way New York I'm, City I'm, defended I'm him? I'm trying to put him in a better position, yeah. <laughs> he had a nice assist. Yeah. yeah. No, he's not, playing, he's not playing bad. He's not, yeah. you know, doing really poor performances. He's actually playing good, but it's t- it takes time. Now, they, we just jump a little bit on them, and they don't have a Pizarro. And no, that guy is important for them, especially yeah. for Iguain. Yeah, yeah Iguain's very – I'm sure he's very unhappy to see that guy go. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. But by the way, Lewis Morgan had himself a game. Oh, yeah. Lewis Morgan was so, so good. I mean, aside from the goals, everything else he was doing, he was driving Mata crazy. He was going, switching sides. Every time he had the ball, he looked really, really dangerous. I mean, he's taking corner kicks from both sides with both legs. I mean, the guy was just fantastic. And, and his mind is, is a great mind. I mean, he said after the game, to be honest with you, I don't care about the goals. I'd rather not score and we win the game, and that makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even want to see the goals again, and I don't care about the goals. So now he's born in Scotland, but he has some sort of tie with Chile. Yes. And he's, he's Ariel was, uh, was telling us during the broadcast that uh, it looks like that he won't be called up in this window, but he would be called up in the next window for Chile. No. Uh, what he said, what Ariel said, because it's what is happening is, that Reynaldo Rueda, the Chilean national team coach, called him to see, you know, where he stands on the chance of playing for Chile. His mom's side is from Chile. So mm. that's why he has that opportunity. And, um, and he doesn't have to do any kind of transfer paperwork or switch associations with FIFA because he played two friendlies with Ireland. Right, with Scotland. He Scotland. played for the U21s, and then he played two friendlies for Scotland, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, so there's no switch, even though he's, he's played for the national team. I know it's not an official game, 
No. But I mean, there's a lot of guys who never played for the U.S. who played, no. uh, who played games uh, on the U20 or the U20 World Cup or the U17 <laughs> I give you World another Cup. example. Gaston, yeah. Gaston, oh, 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 Gaston Jimenez. Jimenez. Gaston Jimenez, he plays for Chicago Fire. Right. And he was with Argentina for the, I think it was the previous camp before the, the Copa America. And he played two friendlies with Argentina. And uh, he had his Paraguayan passport, and he is right now with the Paraguayan national team to play for Commonwealth. He didn't have to do anything. No, okay. Well, let's, let's keep this discussion going and talk about the FIFA break and focus on New York City because there are some guys who are eligible to go. And the big discussion leading into the match against Miami it was centered around Alex Collins. Now, he wasn't available for this match, but – there was a lot of discussion about will he go to Peru, will he not? He's obviously been in a key part of the back line for New York City FC in that pairing with Chanel. Uh, and Glenn, New York City denies his right to go to Peru, so he's going to stay with New York City FC. That's when you talk about all the possibilities for New York City FC. Obviously, we know that Matriza is with Romania. Uh, there was talk of Chanel going with Luxembourg and, and Tenerhome to Sweden. They're staying. Uh, so all the everybody besides Matriza is here, but that's some pretty big news. Not a lot of teams denying players the right to go play internationally, but Collins is a big piece for New York City FC. Well, I think you know part of, uh, and I'm sure it was a, uh, and hopefully we'll find out. We're recording this on Monday. We'll talk to Ronnie on Tuesday and try to see how that all went. But I'm sure it's club discussion with the player. I don't know if they would communicate with the federation at all. But I think it's the basis of, yes, Collins would be there, but Collins has not been a, uh, a starting 11 kind of player. Uh, so he's logged very little time on the field. He's been in training, obviously, and um, they, they obviously like him or they wouldn't keep calling him back in. Uh, but I think that was kind of the balance that they were trying to come up with. It's, it's a tough one because, you know, players, for the most part, representing their country is uh, Numejo Uno. In, in their careers, you know, when you have that chance. So uh, we'll, I think we should let, I think we should let Ronnie Dyla and, and then eventually Alexander Collins, you know, describe it to us. Uh, the only thing I heard is that Collins understood. That doesn't mean he's happy, unhappy, you know, that doesn't give his emotion, but yeah. he understood the situation because he would not be back uh, until uh, he might've even missed uh, November 1st. I think he, in November 8th would have been his uh, only regular game. And then you figure if he goes back during the, uh, the next window and then has to quarantine again, it's just like, you know, the season is pretty much over for him. Now, so. Glenn, I don't, I don't think there were any kind of discussions for one simple reason. It is, uh, I mean, during the week, we have all the rumors, discussions, debates about uh, MLS not wanting to let players go to national team camps because of the 10 days of quarantine that the league has as a protocol. Yeah. So, so players that are new hires coming from abroad has to go to 10 days quarantine or players that are going to national team duty, like happened with Svensson in October mm -hmm. from Seattle Sanders, had to go through that 10 days quarantine. So what the league was expecting was um, FIFA to shame in on the situation and to say something like the way they did in September. So in September, they came out with a resolution saying we're going to switch these dates, these, these international dates, 
and whoever is playing, the teams are not in the obligation to let players go. That was for September. So MLS was waiting FIFA to say something around this window, right? October window, and then November, but at least October, which is right now, the first one. And FIFA came out with the protocol. Yeah. And what FIFA came out with was saying that the teams where there is a government order of quarantine for five days or more, then teams are not allowed, that are not uh, in the obligation to let the players go. Right. And that's what happened in New York. So once right. you have the FIFA resolution and you know that there is a, a government resolution in New York to quarantine for any traveler that comes from abroad, then there's no discussion. Also, yeah. did you see the um, graphic that New York City uh, put out for the return to Yankee Stadium and, uh, you know, welcome back home, that sort of thing? Did you notice that the two small figures in the bottom in the middle are Collins and Edison Flores? So you sort of wonder if that was already predetermined that they knew. Well, obviously, they knew they weren't going to let them go because they, but th those are the two players that are there. Yeah, and would have wind up playing. There's two different situations there. One because and it's and it's funny because first the only situation that is similar to both of them is that in Washington D.C. they have an order of quarantine too, right. as in New York. But Flores is now playing. Flores is out with an injury. I know Flores he's injured. Is out with a, a, a broken face. So. Well, that makes it that makes it even more interesting that that graphic may have been uh, created. No, I tell you why much I earlier. Why. <laughs> I tell you why, because it's the Hispanic month or Hispanic festivities or whatever. Yeah. So you're gonna yeah. celebrate the Hispanic festivities with a Hispanic player that you did not allow to represent his Hispanic country. <laughs> hey, I think uh, the thing uh, we're talking about, Collins, Chano. You know, we've got all Chano is not in good shape. You know, I think he I think he hurt his leg or the uh, hamstring or something two games ago because he, he went down again uh, in, in that last game. And was uh, I, to me, he was laboring the less, rest of the match. Alex Ring it was definitely laboring, but, you know, it, they're described properly as warriors. So they're just going to fight through it. Uh, but Chino may have cracked a rib or two. And we haven't heard anything about that. And again, we will find out more uh, on Tuesday. And, but, and, and Ronnie told you after the game that he had some kind of knock during the week on training too. Yeah, yep. I think it was related to what happened the game before. I mean, I don't know that, but that's, that's what I think. I think Chano, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised point here, even if Chano didn't, uh, didn't crack a rib or if it's just badly bruised ribs. Give him a day off. Let Ibiaga play right central defense. Put Collins out there and uh, let Chano like uh, – <laughs> let him uh because he has had a very good season but yeah. and this is yeah i don't know if you guys uh uh thought of this at all this way and i think i said this on the broadcast tom that i thought part of the reason chano was struggling is because he didn't have collins next to him and he felt really responsible for ibiaga you know f through the first stages of the game you could see he was like it, it just seemed like he was more engaged in ibiaga maybe than himself and then Matarita on that second Lewis Morgan goal is a very good goal. But I, I'm thinking to myself, where's Matarita going? He went from being in a position to defend him, but got, uh, Higuain had the ball centrally, 
And it was almost like he didn't trust Ibiaga as Iguain was kind of dribbling laterally. He flies over there. Morgan's wide open, takes a touch, and, and buries it. So I, I think there was a little, you know, I, there might have been a slight lack of trust. Not Trust might not be the right word, but they really wanted to make sure that uh, he was secure. No, you know that as a coach. I mean, it's one of those things that happens when you're playing with a new guy on your line. I mean, you yeah. sometimes want to overcommit and overdo because you think, you know, he may not be used to what we're doing and he may forget, but maybe the guy did and what was out of position was you. <laughs> yeah. It happens. So, guys, uh, we started to think about New York City's next match against DC United, and we know, Roberto, what's been working so well is Matriza in that number 10 role. So once again, Ronnie Dada's got to go back to the drawing board and figure this out. What, what's the plan? Because we got a quick turnaround here with this Wednesday match. Well, based on what he did in Miami, then it's a it's a one for one switch, and it's Medina going back to playing the ten, and uh, they'll have the wings. Tajiri Shradi, uh, and um, who's going to be the other side? It's going to be Ring. It's going to yeah. be Ring on one side and Tajiri Shradi on the other, and that's going to be the lineup change. Yeah, because we, yeah, Ronnie did say like uh, he doesn't like making many changes. There's, there's, I think we've learned that about him. You know, it's, the, uh, the big guy used to do it too, right? Remember? Yeah, Patrick well, used to say we don't. I don't like to make two big changes that is, are going to mess with everything we're doing. So. And listen, we we talk about scoring, and it's been a struggle up to the last two matches. But Matriza and Tenerhome were the the two main guys. But and Glenn, you brought up this point on the broadcast. We're talking a lot about Valentin Castellanos. You know, he had developed a good relationship with Maxi Morales, and there was there was a trust there to at least create those opportunities. Can Castellanos create that same relationship with Medina or whoever to to give himself those opportunities? Because we didn't really mention his name that much in the last match, and it's you know he's got to be a guy who's got to really step up in scoring, especially now with with the loss of Matriza. Yeah, he's gosh, I would describe his performance in the last game as he was kind of lost. I mean, I, I just, uh, I kind of feel bad because he's had such little time, you know, at the nine this year, Eber was getting the, 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 the majority of the minutes, but uh, he hasn't had a relationship with anybody that I've seen. Um, but, but how? No. Pardon? How? How does he build that relationship? I mean, Beatriz played two games there and now he's not going to be there. And I think the first game that he played uh, as a starter was with Medina, and then Medina disappeared from the 11. Yeah. I think the guy is doing the dirty job. I mean, he's, well, he's you know, going hard. against the center backs. He's jumping yep. all over. He's running all over. He's, and, and then you got the spaces that others are taking advantage to, to score. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, he needs to score, and he knows that because if you're the number nine, you need to score, period. But he's so doing, far this season, no goals, no assists, except for in MLS. Uh, MLS is back. He did have a goal against Toronto. I'm trying to remember the goal. I can't remember how he scored it. It was from distance. That's right. He cut it to the inside, and then he uh, bent it with the right foot. It was a great goal, actually. Yeah. Great goal past Westberg. Well, well, yeah, he needs to start scoring. I mean, that's, that's – um, without Castellanos – uh, putting it in the back of the net, uh, New York City will not will not go deep into the playoffs. They just won't. Especially now, if you don't, you know, Mitritza, you don't have Mitritza that is rolling with goals from coming yeah. from the outside in the second wave. So, unless Medina becomes a different player and starts running at people. <laughs> well, the only other guy who really runs at people in that same sort of fashion is Tajiri Shradi. 
Yes. Maybe he maybe he gets the jury Schrader to run at the ten, basically saying, "Hey, it's working with Mitritza. The 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 guy who's most similar to Mitritza is to Jury Schrader, and let's throw him in there. He could do it. He's it's not mean, crazy. Yeah, he plays in those half spaces all the time. So just yeah. uh, another notch to the inside, and he's there. And then what? Two games, four goals, three assists, and then go to Saudi Arabia <laughs> <laughs> or Libya. Does Libby yeah. have anything going on? <laughs> I'm sure World Cup qualifying at some point. Yeah. Well, how about but DC United is is oh. one of the stories in the league right now because Ben Olsen, a I mean, his post game comments after that uh, debacle that they're coming off of against Atlanta, uh, you know, and he and he put a he put a what, Russell Knauss on the mm. field and he wasn't on the uh, the, team the sheet. roster <laughs> team sheet. Yeah. I mean. Whew, but he's still there. You know, I think a lot of people thought he might, he might get axed, you know, after that, but he's still there. Glenn, hold on. Let me ask you as a coach, if you're the opposition coach, how do you take that? I mean, the guy already played a couple of minutes. I think, uh, well, if he, had, if he got an assist on a goal in those two minutes, I'd no, have no, a big no. issue. But uh, they, they handled it the correct way, and I'm sure that's the way the rule states, is that they, they lost a substitution. You know, they, they, they lost one of their moves, which is pretty huge uh, in the second half. So. But at the end of the day, DC United has to uh, thank the VAR crew because they were the ones who noticed and called the referee. If nobody notices and cannot finish the game, wow, yeah. they lose that game. Like uh, on a forfeit, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. If, if well, he ended up playing the rest of the game, right? They would have preferred that, I think, because they lost 4-0. A uh, forfeit is 3-0, <laughs> so they'd have a plus one on the goal differential side. <laughs> it would but, that but been ben, a better result. Ben Olsen after the game, did you hear him, though? I mean, he was just... Yeah, he was uh, that just, was... He was despondent, and he was just so like, you know, we're not a, we're not a, we're, we're we didn't play good soccer. We're, uh, oh, I'm, I'm forgetting the words now, and I even put it out there on Twitter. I, I put the video out, but yeah, uh, mentally we're not. Yeah, they're you know. just fragile. By the way, the fragile, fragile, fragile. We are fragile right now. We're fragile, yeah. and we're not a good soccer team, and that's a bad combination. Well, that's okay. a bad combo, and, and for that fragile, bad soccer team, there were four players called up to national teams. But none of them can go, and he doesn't even care. Someone, <laughs> someone, no, someone asked him. Someone asked him. Yeah, it was asked him. Hold on, sorry. Uh, someone asked him in the at the press conference. You know, on on that situation, what's gonna what's gonna happen with the guys that are being called up? And he said, "Listen, I had too much to worry right now about how to get this team working and and working well and getting results, and that I don't even care about that. I mean, just not a decision that I'm gonna." get into it that's that's for the front office right so it's reina and flores from peru moreno from venezuela and sorga from uh estonia so th those are the uh the four guys that we're going to get that got called up but then uh refused but now they they have to come into yankee stadium and if we remember the game that they played in an audi field i mean new york city swept the carpet with them and they couldn't get out and they couldn't score it was one of those crazy games what was it 19 shots or was it was it more than that uh that new york city know. had no, but they could have put it and they could have put the ball behind uh could have put the ball in the net dc united was the first uh, team to uh, get a result without a single shot on frame 
in MLS mm. history. I think that was the yeah. uh, well, not only a single shot on Flick, a single shot, not mm. a single shot on yeah, Flick, a single, single shot. shot. I mean, I thought that they had one, but they called it a cross. I just thought the guy mishit it so badly that it came across as a cross. But it was actually they said, "Fine, we'll give it to him as a cross." I thought but, you were uh, saying they they're playing like no cross. shots. Huh? I thought you were saying that they're playing lacrosse. Well, that, hey, that, if, they, 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 might as, they might as well. Hey, if New York City's struggling the first half, they could just move Tenor home into the number nine role. He'll score. Hey, hey he's their – He's been fantastic. He's their best winger right now. I mean, <laughs> he's their best winger, the fullback. Uh, you got to love that. And, you know, and when Matarita's playing well, I mean, those are two guys that uh, – and then if they get uh, a relationship with their wingers, I mean, gosh, you really – and that's what – that's what ultimately made them very, very good last year under Dome, and it's going to be the same formula. And then Castellanos has to finish because they're going to create the overloads. They're going to get the service in. They're going to get quality service, and uh, and then they got to finish in the area. And a lot of that's Castellanos. Yeah. Okay. Just officially, it was nineteen to zero. On okay. Shots. Thank you, Roberta. Just wanted oh. to. And and it was a zero zero uh, final. Exactly. Yeah, zero, so zero, that zero means final. that means a lot. <laughs> so you got to feel good if you're in New York City about taking on a depleted D.C. United team that is certainly struggling right now in that matchup this Wednesday after the, the quick turnaround. Guys, as we look around the league, Eastern Conference, one through four, separated by just three points. New York City right now, fifth place on the outside looking in, but playing very well. As we start to talk about playoffs and seeding, we know how important it is you want to be in that top four because you want a home match. Uh, John, do you see New York City – in their next such next next stretch of games being able to climb into the top four or is there just too much of a separation just given how well the teams in the top four are playing right now yeah i don't i don't even mind about the separation in points and uh i just i'm concerned i'm not concerned but what i see difficult is uh to be the form that those teams are right now on i mean orlando's unbeaten exactly Orlando, Philadelphia, Toronto, and Columbus. I mean, they are all really good teams playing really good soccer, getting results, uh, showing that they have depth on, on, on that rosters. So it's, it's difficult. And then we know that New York City FC has, um, you know, they need to resolve this issue with the number 10. Uh, they're probably going to squeeze in Callens. I know Callens, of course, is a professional, but we need to wait and see how their mind is going to play out. That's, that's, that's important. There's oh. some uh, difficult games here, too. So after D.C. United, which has to, they have to get three points because mm-hmm. then they play New England. That's all, that's, that game is always, you know, decided by whatever. And most of the time it's a draw. At Orlando City, so we know how difficult that'll be. Uh, at Columbus, and that Orlando City game is just three days after the New England game. So, and they're going into the heat of uh, of uh, Orlando. So it's, everything now, Glenn, is every three days. Yeah, pretty much. They have yeah, one, nine no, games. They have another. They have, they, a, they, have a, the they have a Sunday to Sunday, mm. November first through the eighth. They have a Sunday to Sunday at the end of the year. Um, but no, but, but they also have a Sunday to Saturday between uh, October eighteenth and October twenty fourth. Yep. And so that's at Columbus on October 18th. So there's the crew, the top team in the league. Uh, and then uh, Montreal at home, you know, that's, you know, that should be advantage New York City. At Toronto, huh. up at Rensselaer Field, the f- former home of New York City, at least for one match. And, I was and there. Red Bull, say what? 
I was there. Well, we were too. You were there. I'm just mocking Robert. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the Red Bulls. So, you know, that's not, that's at Yankee stadium now, but that's November 1st. And then at Chicago. So it's a road game. That's a pretty, um, yeah, you not a, these are no, there's no gimmies in this, except they better have a gimme on Wednesday, but that's it. And you're not taking, we did not talk about that. I mean, um, they're going to play in Yankee Stadium, the home games now, and that could be your best defender. But at the same time, Ronnie did not manage one game in that field. And you need to figure it out the field. That's, that's a fact. I mean, don't tell me, oh, it's just a smaller field. Uh-uh-uh. You need to figure out movement. You need to figure out spaces. You need to figure out the diagonal shape in which the field is. Of course, Ronnie is now playing, but it's part of the work. I mean, the good help, I mean, the, the, the good point of that, as far as New York City is concerned, is that everybody, except for Gary, no, even Gary McKay Stephen, everybody has been on that field. Everybody played at Yankee Stadium. So it's not a surprise for any of the players. They know it and hope you would feel that he would get feedback from the players because he doesn't, aside from one of the coaches, he doesn't have any of the coaches from, uh, from before. How long so, did you play last in that game, in that field? Yeah, it's been since last year. Okay. So what it's is it? But, but they still know how to play there. Yes, but you need it time to adjust. Anything. Well, yeah. Babe Ruth was in the lineup for the Yankees when the last time they played there. I'm just saying it can go both ways. You know, it can go both ways. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. But he's not going to get – he's not seeing but, the field. Ronnie Dial is first time seeing the pitch is Tuesday. Right, and they play training. Wednesday. And he play on Wednesday. Let me, let me ask you guys this, Glenn, and I'll start with you, because we're talking about the compressed schedule. And one thing I think we've seen from Dyla this year is he likes to play the hot hand. He didn't want to break up Parks and Sands. He wants to go with the guys that are playing well as confidence. Do you think he starts to, knowing that the schedule's truncated now, that he starts to think about rotation and all that, or is he just going to play the guys that are hot and the guys that are playing well and whatever happens, happens? Yeah, there's going to be some of that, but he, he's a guy that looks at the science of it. I mean, he, he looks at the analytics uh, of the, from the performance people, and you know, I think he's going to look more closely at that as a staff. I think they'll make some decisions where we'll, we'll see some changes, but you're never going to see four or five changes. That's not happening. You're going to see like one or two. Uh, he's, I don't think he's ever going to do four or five changes unless he's forced to because of injury or suspension. Outside of that, I, I would doubt it, even though those uh, – I, I always go back to what Alex Ring said last year to us or to me. I, ca- I can't remember, but I remember asking, well, you got a compact schedule. You know, you got to play Saturday, Wednesday. And he's like, listen, we would train our brains out on Wednesday anyway. I'd rather play a game than go to training. So, uh, But, of course, a game, the competition is, a, is, is more stressful on the body than, than a, any training session could ever be uh, for the most part. But, you know, he's like, I'd rather play a game. So the players are like, yeah, let's play, man. I don't think the players have any issue playing all these games. I don't think they have any issue because players generally, especially as the season progresses, are not particularly fond of training. They just aren't. (laughs) Uh, I agree. I think they prefer to play. Uh, I agree. And it's not like the other teams are often going to have an advantage because it's everybody on the press schedule. So it's not like, you know, you're True. looking at the schedule and you're going, wow, well, this, this team had a week off. And right. D.C. United played at the same time New York City did. Yep. So. The typical uh, MLS schedule has those kinds of things going on all the time. 
Uh, you've played your second game in four days, and they've been off for 10 days. I mean, the yeah. number of times that stuff happens is – but I'm sure – Patrick Vieira was so fond of that, wasn't he? All, the, all, all our four – all our <laughs> Every one of coaches. them. <laughs> Every one of them. Uh, Ronnie Dyla was so fond of that. Oh, God. Not Ronnie Dyla. I mean, uh, Dominic Torrent, rather. He was so fond of it. All right, guys. So big game Wednesday um, as we kind of bring things to a close and focus in on that. Uh, we know who's not going to be available. Uh, Glenn, what, when you think about D.C., is it just it's a good thing that D.C. is the opponent um, given the injuries and guys that are missing? And what are you looking at as the key for New York City rolling into this one? Well, you know, they're also missing a center back. Fred Brillion got a red card very late in that last match, so he's not available. I mean, they're, uh, you they're know. Hurting. <laughs> it's they're hurting in so many different ways. And, um, but you know what, uh, you know, athletes are who they are too. Sometimes where they just, they, they overcome this. Is there something that's happened between now and then that can galvanize these guys? What do they think of Ben Olsen? Do they still want Ben Olsen to be their coach? If they do, they will be busting their hump knowing that they're a Yankee stadium. Psychologically, we're on a smaller pitch. Let's give our all, you know, they got a, they've got a, you know, they've got a proper striker in Ola Kamara and, you know, Let's see what happens. They're going, to, they're going to sit back. They're going to park the bus. They're going to take the air out of the tires of the bus to make sure it doesn't move, and they're going to hope to get lucky on a, uh, on a set piece or some sort of a counterattack. And I think that's basically what's going to happen. But here's the key, okay? It's about the mentality that New York City has about this game and about how they're going to react and how they're going to approach it. I feel that they'll that they're going to be all in and, and full in on it. But, I mean, these are like the classical trap games. And so uh, you don't want them looking ahead to New England, who they've already had two difficult games with, and they came out of New England with a win and a tie. So you just hope that New York City doesn't, uh, you know, under, underplay this game on Wednesday. John Rojas, over under on D.C. United shots at two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but look, they've got they've got uh, Reina, Kamara, Assad. Yeah, but that's I mean, what they're guys... gonna play. Then they're gonna play what you said. They're gonna yeah. play. They're gonna play a long ball. They're gonna try to get the ball to Reina on a one v one, and they're gonna try to cross the ball to Kamara. You know, that's that's what they that they're gonna play. I mean, you wanna watch someone watch the the guy, um, yo, Griffin, yo. He's eighteen. Yeah, he's Dao. very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's really. He scored a nice goal. He's really, really good. And uh, but but listen, New York City FC has to go and play that game with all the concentration, focus, and uh, professionalism that they can. Because otherwise, it's just like Roberto said, it's a trap game. Atlanta United won that game against DC with a lineup that looks more like Cincinnati. (laughs) Yeah. So. <clears throat> All right. I think that's sort of weird. Okay, can I go back to DC? When you look at the at the a lot of the players that they have, there's uh, there's talent on that team. It's sort of, I mean, I know that they're that they're hurting. I know that Flores is out. Uh, they're playing a lot of the kids. Aside from Yao, they're playing Paredes a lot, and you know he's turned out to be a solid little player and all that. But there's talent on that team. You start looking up and down the lineup, and you go, oh, this guy's a good guy. This guy can play. This guy can play. It's sort of a little bit surprising and, you know, befuddling in a way, but um, it, it shouldn't be as bad as it seems to be right now or as it, as, as it looks to be. Because, I mean, yes, they got beat 4 nothing by Atlanta, 
But this isn't Atlanta from two years ago. This isn't even Atlanta from last year. This no. is this year's Atlanta, which is, is not a good team. I mean, not even close to being a good team. So you are on the Olsen out train? No, you know, I'm not. I'm not on the Olsen out train because I don't think that they've had a full team and I don't think it's fair to judge them on that. I, I really, really don't. And, I mean, the, they don't spend a lot as an organization uh, as it is. So uh, I have a lot of issues with DC management and mostly on the marketing side, but that's a different story. But um, the uh, I'd like to see him be given a full deck and say, okay, let's see what you can really do. And if he can't do it then, then fine. But uh, I don't but you think you want to give him Seattle hand. Sounders? <laughs> I mean, he deserves to have a full team. How? Whatever DC United is full, he deserves to have that. Why he deserves that? Well, because if you're going How to... How did he get to that point to the Serb? Well, no, you're asking me if he deserves to be fired or not. And I'm saying that based on the fact that they have been as injured as they have and everything else that's gone on, I'm not blaming the for coach how many for seasons? all of that. But st he's had, they've had problems all the way through. They only had one decent season where they finally moved into Audi Field and they brought in uh, Wayne Rooney. That team made the playoffs. It's not like they didn't make the playoffs. And, uh, Was that a good season? They got the playoffs? No, but they, they got unlucky in the game. To, uh, but it's not a bad season, is it? It's just a normal season. No, it's not a normal season. Yeah, they, that's they the minimum better. requirement. Make the playoffs. So otherwise, why are you competing? No, I, I get that, but it, it's still, it, uh, that doesn't mean there aren't better teams than you. Just because you make the playoffs doesn't mean that you've underachieved. There are, there are better teams. Well, Cincinnati uh, <laughs> I can box is, back, is ahead. by the way. Cincinnati's ahead of uh, DC United in the standings. That's uh, enough said. So, uh, and 10 out of 14 teams go to the playoffs in, in the uh, Eastern Conference. So you're right. It's a disaster if you don't go to the postseason this year. Well, this year is a little bit different as far as that's concerned. Yes. Yes. All right, Roberto, where is the Spanish broadcast? All right. So Ariel and I uh, will be on at 7.45 p.m. with the pregame show because the game's at 8 o'clock or 8.08 to be exact. And we're on uh, nycfc.com slash radio. If you already have TuneIn, then you've hopefully made our channel the favorite. And then you can just uh, easily tune in there. And uh, we will be there for uh, the game. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Abramowitz. Follow me on Facebook, Roberto Abramowitz Oficial. And if you want to see really nice sunsets and cat pictures, uh, I will be on, um, on Instagram at Roberto Abramowitz. So they are. Let everybody, let's, 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 uh, just let that sink in for everybody for a minute. Well, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, they, they deserve to Cat see pictures. They deserve to see Titan. Is that on your dating profile? <laughs> I don't have a dating profile. I'm married, you dope. I don't have a dating profile. What do you think I am, a politician? <laughs> you marry, but you well, play well, with the cats. <laughs> I love my kitties. My Xena and my Titan. I love uh, my kitties. All right, John Rojas. Oh, my God. Where can people follow what you're up to? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just leave it at jrojas875, and that is on Twitter. All right, Glenn Crooks. Never. Uh, you can follow me at Glenn Crooks. Uh, I also host a show on SiriusXM FC, channel 157, if you're a subscriber. Tab Ramos, one of the featured guests this week. I, I just wanted to – this is who he coached for the U20s. I th this, th this list is so impressive. Yeah. 
Sergio Dest, Weston McKenney, Zach Steffen, Tyler Adams, Chris Richards, Ethan Horvath. All those players are in Champions League competition. Uh, Conrad De La Fuente, who uh, hopefully will uh, get uh, get on the, the pitch for the first team at Barca. Yuli uh, Giannis, Giannis. Uh, Giannis from Wolfsburg. Yeah. T- Tim Lea, uh, Wea. Wea. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Lil, Josh Sargent, Werder Bremen. Uh, there's many others, but... <laughs> So he talks a little bit about that and, uh, you know, just the fact that he had those guys to, uh, to maneuver with the, uh, with the U-20s along the way. So uh, he was very good, thanks to my boys, uh, John, Roberto, and Ariel, who, uh, you know, helped feed me some ideas, maybe to ask uh, Tab, and uh, I followed through. But it, 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 what it is, my show for coaching education, he talks a lot about the final third. You'll like it, John, because we, we spend about 15 minutes on, you know, Real stuff, cool. not all this. Uh, yeah, kitty you know, catty. Not all this BS that we talk about on soccer in the city. <laughs> well, that's a great way to sell the podcast, Ugly. <laughs> Thanks a lot. That should be the tagline for Coaching Academy. Coaching yeah, Academy, exactly. we talk about real stuff. I yeah, enjoy, exactly. I enjoy the BS as well. And Jill Ellis is on the show too. She's got a new scholarship program that she's endorsing for female coaches, which is very cool. Former national team coach for the women, so she'll be on too. So that's it for me. Thanks. All right. Um, give, it, give it to the guy. He remember what the show is this week. That's true. That's yeah, this true. week. Last week, he had no idea what his name, what his name was. <laughs> I had that's, John Walker, the president enough. of the Houston Dynamo, on last week. So now I remember. <laughs> All right. I'm at T. Colker for Glenn, Roberto, and John. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Soccer in the City.